When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Ronitzer and I'm joined this morning by James Rushton. James, how are you, mate? Uh, don't know, still feeling the same. <laughs> <laughs> still feeling bitterly betrayed by my own optimism, so business <laughs> as usual for an Aston Villa fan. That'd be a great title, Betrayed by Our Own Optimism. I might steal that for a couple of weeks' time if it's still down in the dumps, but hopefully not. Um, right. It's Monday morning, it's 11 o'clock, we're recording this live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, if you're not watching this at the moment, you're catching up. This is our kind of new format heading into the season. Not every game is on telly like it was last season. We'll obviously be at Villa Park for, for some weeks as well. So uh, post-match 45-minute, 60-minute live streams that we were doing last season are a thing of the past as it stands. Um, with Ash being at every game, we'll speak to Ash on a match day for 10, 10 minutes live on Facebook. He was dashing off to get a train uh, when we spoke after Watford and he was having a beer while he was waiting. Um, so that was a bit of an instant reaction to the game and then we'll follow it up with a podcast on Monday, um, every Monday, unless we play Monday night, <laughs> in which case things will be pushed back a day. So this is our chance to have a bit of reflection on the game. Um, we've had almost 48 hours to, to think about it now. We've maybe watched highlights back, watched the full 90 back. Um, on Villa TV, match of the day, and things like that. I had a bit of social media to, to read through, post-match interviews. So this is a more considered chat than our instant post-match reactions from, from last season, I guess. So me and Ash have already spoken about it. You can find that on the channel as well. We did, I think we did 12 minutes, instant, raw, uh, personal feelings right after the game. So with all that out of the way, we've had almost 48 hours to reflect on it now. How do you feel about the, the result against Watford and the performance as well, probably more importantly? I don't know. Um, it, it's, a really, it's a really weird one because you think of the most... There are no throw... Look, there's no throwaway games in the Premier League. Every game counts. You know, this wouldn't be acceptable if you were gunning for sixth and you needed three points against Watford. Um, but that being said, opening day performances in the last decade from many clubs, I think, they don't really set the tone, do they? Mm-hmm. Man City against Spurs. I think it was a crazy opening weekend anyway. Um that is not to justify the performance nor the result. But I think in our relegation season, when we played fairly well against uh, a newly promoted Bournemouth, one set a great, great tone in the uh, you know the, a sunny away day. I don't think we won another away game um, for yeah. perhaps a season and a half. Uh, I think it was Reading and that was a very, very big deal. That was in the championship as well. Um, but look, um, still feel pretty disappointed that we weren't able to hit the ground running because I think we had gotten used to that um, last season one four on the trot looked very good this season obviously there's been upheaval but it looked it was a wake up call I think uh, Tony Benton's just said that in the comment comments yeah. it was a uh, an absolute wake up call um, I'm still really really optimistic but there's work to be done and we can't ignore that now do you think we maybe underestimated Watford a little bit? And maybe not necessarily mm-hmm. Watford, Watford as a footballing outfit, but they're newly promoted. It's the first game back in the Premier League, first game back with fans as well. They've got the home advantage. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's a small um, 
kind of uh, what's the word like a small sample size at the moment but yeah. there was seven home wins in the Premier League on the first day we saw a lot more away wins last season with there being no crowd so I don't know whether we're reading too much into fans being back, but the atmosphere was on Watford's side. First yeah. game back in the Premier League. We were looking at that going, well, it's a, an easier start. Watford, Newcastle, Brentford, it could certainly be far worse. And then instantly, Sarah's at target. And I'm thinking, Christ, here we go. We don't look anywhere near it today. And, you know, you hear managers and the players talking about setting the tone in, in football matches. And we did not set the right tone at the start of that game because instantly we just looked nowhere near it. No, it answered the, a lot of questions for us, but it raised a lot. Raised know. so many. Yeah, I think, and you don't want to dig out single players based on, you know, literally one game. If it had happened five games in a row, we'd start talking seriously about it. But mm. to speak about Matt Target and say, he's, I, I tipped him to be the, the player of the year again this season. And look, there's still 37 games left to play. And he can hopefully put that performance to bed uh, very quickly. And look, it wasn't just him. Um, but that was a poor, poor performance from someone who you'd have thought was an absolute lock to be, you yeah. know, 38 games. And yeah, um, it was a big catalyst for why we, we fell apart. Um, when he got support, they couldn't stop his mailer star either. When his mailer star either, when uh, John McGinn ran in, when the Canberra ran in, when Ming stepped up, they just couldn't do anything. We looked like the newly promoted team. You know, yeah, we looked like the guy. Comments. Pete Brown, cheers. We looked like the promoted team, double exclamation mark. We did look exactly like, it was like the role reversal. We lacked the confidence. You know, Matt Target, I think, exemplified what went wrong. Um, looked nervous, looked like they didn't really understand what to do. Looked like if there was any instruction being offered to them, that it was just getting lost in the nerves. He looked absolutely rattled and that is not a Matt Target we've seen for a very, very long time. Do you think he was fully fit? Because he's not played much pre-season. Had he actually younger played left back in a few of the games? You, I don't know how far we go into this because it might mm. come out that he's not fully fit. But you think about the introduction of of Ashley Young and that brings competition for your left back, which is what you need. But maybe that's pressure on that target as well because he's thinking I'll make one mistake here and Ashley Young takes my starting spot. And at forty five minutes he gets dragged off, which Villa didn't have a, he didn't have a choice really, Villa to to do that. But it's it's pretty ruthless to bring off one of your most consistent players from last season. I think I think Target played every game. Possibly only missed a couple. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember whether he did. I think he did. Um, but he, he gets hooked off half-time, which you think is quite ruthless. But he was being being battered by Saar and now Young. And we'll talk about Newcastle's lineup later. Young might be the first choice left back now, especially if it was a fitness issue for, for Target. Yeah, um, well, you, you don't wish injury on players, but you've got to hope that there is a, a reason. He doesn't become a bad player overnight, does no. he? No, and it... it he was getting run ragged as well. It was he was absolutely blowing. And then, you know, you understand that Ismail Asar is a fast player, but he's not the only person who can run in the Premier League. You know, yeah. every team <laughs> has next week's and of course he <laughs> that side as well. Every team in this league has a winger who will damage a team, and that doesn't just mean Liverpool ourselves with uh, Leon Bailey and uh, Newcastle. It means Watford and Norwich. You know, it, it means every team, every team has a player who has speed, who has the ability to break and really frustrate on their day, really, really, really frustrate a, a good fullback. And uh, it wasn't just frustrating Matt Target. He, that left side, and that goes for, you know, Ashley Young playing on the wing as well and the people cutting in on the left up front and the people dropping deep on the left at the back. That left side was non-existent and... Yeah. The problem is when Matt Target's getting beat, you have to have Tyro Mings and cover a lot of ground. You have to have Nakamura McGinn cover a lot of ground and there's then that just central route opens up. So that left side drops, then it gets backed up again. Then the, the centre opens up. So 
it can't hold. There's imbalance. Football's a game of imbalances. Um, Villa had too many. Yeah, there's a comment here from from Dave Rogers, which is interesting. We're going into speculation territory here of why we think we lost this game. Mm. He says the big catalyst for a poor game was all the backroom changes. We got beat, beat plenty of times playing like that last year with Grealish as well. A couple of extra weeks pre-season and then a couple of games as well with the, those couple being cancelled would have been ideal. People are saying, oh, Grealish gone and look at us already. We lost to Watford when we played with Jack Grealish. I think we lost 3-0 that, that season against them. Um, individual result comparison versus individual result doesn't really mean much. Mm. Um, is the backroom changes such a fact, though? Because Smith's come out both times with Terry and O'Kelly and said, well, we knew it was happening. So, mm. as much as they've gone, there's still other coaches there to do the job and they have assistance at the end of the day. If they knew they were going, preparations for Watford would have been unaffected, I think. You still see all of the, of the coaching staff were at Brentford on Friday night. So, it's not like all of a sudden they're thrown into panic and we're, we're not doing our jobs properly tactically. They would have prepared for, for Watford as much as anything. I just think the game started poorly and we never recovered. Yeah, uh, look, you can't say that it's something you just brush off losing. Uh, yeah. Villa's got a, had a weird setup because they had like four assistant managers, you know, including uh, Neil Cutler, Craig Shakespeare, uh, John Terry, and uh, Richard O'Kelly. So that was a, a kind of a different setup anyway, like a more democratic setup. Um, you can't, it's not something you can brush off, you just sugar off and move on. But I don't think it's single handedly responsible for any any loss, especially an opening day loss. I think look, Villa looked a bit gassed. They looked like they were playing. They had no intensity anywhere <laughs> across the field. Um, it wasn't that probably that they lacked instruction, just more like desire. And they weren't they weren't at the at the races at all. Mm. You said earlier that it wasn't just Matt Target. Who else are you putting blame onto? <laughs> look, you don't want, you, you don't really want to. Yeah, it plays, but that whole back four just didn't look settled at all, and that's probably because yeah, of the that's protection. Not a great game either. Yeah, um, Mings and Cons just looked like they had far too much on their plate. Martinez didn't look at all settled as well. They all looked like they knew what the problem was. That problem was that Watford were just finding chances on the left, chances in the middle, just far too easily. Um, and then they're probably just second guessing everything that they're thinking about. If one player that you rely on is so kind of you were beaten down in a sense. That probably spreads to the rest of the team. So you looked at that defence and it was one of nerves and not what we haven't seen that, you know, in a in a long time at Villa. We we had a privilege last season of of being able to rely on that defence and mm. you know, even your, your characters like Conza having to step up and, and, and into uncomfortable positions and then try and win the game for Villa at the end. They they had far too much on their plate and that's not a situation you that's not a situation you want to put Tyrone Mings in, let alone Ezri Conza. You don't want them to be asking to them to do far, far too much. Um fitness levels might be up for question with mentality. Not the same. There's loads of questions coming in and I'll try and kind of see them through as and when is appropriate as we go through the topics for today. Um with hindsight, it's obviously a wonderful thing. Was that starting eleven the right starting eleven for that game? Do you think? I think it needed like a midfield three because look, Jacob Ramsey probably isn't of a level of experience where he's going to be setting the the world alight. I think people would expect Chuck Wemeka to be to be that like next wonder kid. When he came on, Villa had so much more about them, and I know it's the second half and a lot has changed. But that player, that introduction, that kind of shape change, more of a midfield three. So it might have been Ramsey himself or more so the shape of the midfield three that made the impact. But he comes on and he has two shots and one of them is a very, very good chance that probably we should be scoring and get making our way back into the game a lot sooner. But 
you saw it straight away. So I think hindsight helps a lot. There was a lot of trust put in the camera and begin to be that strong double pivot, completely overrun. And, mm. you know, that maybe the extra body there helps, but if they're instructed, if they're selected to be the two players, they have to do much better. And I think McGinn, the stronger of the two, it was a disappointing game for, for both of them on many levels, but McGinn got the goal and the camera looked uh, rattled. Um, it, it was a lot of responsibility for him. So maybe it needs to be a midfield free. Less so in, uh, focus on the attack, more so Nakamba being dropped deeper and just the, the only responsibility as he's completely defensive because that's that's where he thrives. That's where people love him when when he's breaking up a game and that's his only instruction. Is that is he got to play as part of a three then, Nakamba? Mm. He's the one that sits far back. He does nothing but break up play and move it on to the other players. So it's just, the problem here is, yeah, there's people talking in the comments about 4-2-3-1 not suiting us and it needing to be more of a 4-3-3. Then you look at the forward options that we've got now. We've got, on paper, if you go off last season, a solid defence and a bolstered attack. The midfield is where we seem weak. Are we at risk of being a bit bit Steve Bruce here and trying to play all our best attackers on the pitch at once just for the sake of it? You're throwing in Watkins, Ings, Bailey, Buendia as a forward four, essentially. That, can, that means you can only play two in midfield. and We don't really have the midfield to play to. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, I feel like... So you play 4-3-3, three, three, all those four can't play, can they? Yeah, the, the big question mark for me is over the midfield and that that applies to this question because if you're putting more numbers up front, you're losing them from somewhere else and that looks like the the first initial decision was to lose them out of Villa's midfield and play essentially Buendia, Ings, uh, Al Ghazi and um, who was on the other flank? Well, on, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. That's on the left wing. Of course, he only went to full back at, at the end. So, yeah, you, you've essentially... Start, is it? Nah, young young no. and aren't going to play 38 games out wide yeah. again. And look like setting the tone. They, aren't gonna, they won't be our starting wingers. You talk about fitness as well. Maybe Brendier wasn't fit. He didn't have a great game. And there's talk of you wouldn't be having Brendier and Bailey available for the for the first game. They, you know, Brendier starts and Bailey comes on 70 minutes-ish, I think. Bailey looked good and we'll get onto the positives later on in the episode. But... It does feel like we're trying to fit everybody in for the sake of fitting them mm. in. And if they're not fit, it's just, it just looked a bit disjointed. It felt like that was our final pre-season game. But unfortunately, it meant a loss for the first game of the Premier League. It was a tough one. Um, I feel like after the match, we can say, yes, Ashley Young should have started at fullback. Yes, Brendier should have been on the flank or probably on the bench. But, you know, the same applies for Leon Bailey as well, who hasn't been involved in pre-season at all. Looks very dynamic, and maybe that's just more of a, a wanting to hit the ground running and not having, you know, not having. He's had the benefit, I guess, of not having a preseason, not picking up any injuries in that preseason. Whereas Brendia mm-hmm. has been involved and probably has picked up, you know, something that's holding back Matt Target as well. Again, lack of a preseason had something that's holding back. So you know, it's almost like we just need that to get through this period, see where we stand after 10 games or so five games and see who, you know, who is ready for this campaign. If not, something needs to be done because this preseason has really disrupted us. Um, that Watford game is really, really a good example of how all over the place we looked. Yeah. Talking about formations before we move on, people are asking about 3-5-2. Lee Wellins mentions it here. I don't know about 3-5-2. It, it always feels like Smith won't won't go away from a 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3, which is effectively the same, really. Changing up to 3-5-2 because you've lost the first game. I mean, you've got Twins, Twins AB, Mings and Conte that could play as you back mm-hmm. three with uh, Target or Young, left side, Cash, right side. 
that still leaves you light midfield, doesn't it? I think all our big problems go through the centre of the pitch. Yeah, um, it, there's a lot of obsession about formations, and I feel like they switch. They're almost like a plug and play thing in 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 our minds, where you go, this works and that works. I think it's more important to just the, the roles of the players. You know, if, if you're having the three five two, but when the Canberra and McGinn do exactly the same thing. Are you just simply playing the same way but differently? You know, you you, you may have your talk from well, they splitting one and doing the exact same things that were problems. You know, Ashley Young and Al Ghazi. You know, it's it's more so about the roles and the instructions of the players rather than the the formation. I think I think switching it around just to, doesn't solve a problem. It's how the players play in that formation and what instructions and roles they're given in that structure rather than the number of of defensive roles and attacking roles in a 3-5-2 itself it needs to be what these players are doing in that setup rather than the setup Lee Wellens here a comment that's exactly on my wavelength my next next point we missed Ollie Watkins as he works back and his fitness is unreal how kind of pivotal do you think he is to this system with with Ollie Watkins pressing from the front that impacts Danny Ings position and again I've said it a few times during this episode, and I'm gonna it's gonna become a buzzword if I don't stop it. It'll set the tone, won't it? If things yeah. is pressing from the front and it looks looks fiery, that all that forward four, if they are all playing, they've all got to work as a unit and push from the front, and then that kind of eases your midfield problems a little bit then as well. Yeah, I think where where Villa lacked was I felt like when Deer and Ings weren't fully up to speed with what Villa expect yeah. from that that forward pressing and that creates a lot of problems and also the chemistry. You know, a few of the Watford's big chances came from ourselves just breaking down and I know that's the nature of, of a counter-attack but the ideas are there, not the execution. If you can execute those ideas, you obviously it's a lot more helpful for your defence because they're not having to pick up the pieces when your attack breaks down or your midfield. But you're making chances and scoring goals and, and asking questions of the other team and Villa throwings through Buendia um, game one Probably always on the cards that something like this was going to happen. Look, they're both experienced pros. Ings certainly more so than, than Buendia, but Buendia still had a few seasons up and down in the uh, Championship and Premier League. So there should there should be more faith in that they are able to kick on instantly. But I think realistically, a bit more time needed for them to gel into this perfect attacking unit. Watkins, yeah. the big misser, because I think he would have asked more questions at a, a higher intensity than uh, mm-hmm. than Mings was able to do to that um, on Saturday. It's mad, isn't it? We talk about Ollie Watkins not missing a game all of last season and he's injured for the first game of this season and you think, oh, well, it doesn't matter so much because Danny Ings can play up front instead and he he makes up for the goals that Watkins brings. But like you said, Watkins' work rate is what we miss more than anything now and starting him back in there, like John says, with Ings behind Watkins and Bailey left, Brendia right in their proper positions. I think Bailey's preferred position is right wing, but played on the left yesterday and got an assist, so he can obviously do a job out there and he did look very positive. Um if that is the case, and that is those the front three, um, Bailey, Ings, Watkins and Buendia, that means you are playing a two. If that's McGinn and Louise or Nakamba, you've got to expect Bailey, Buendia and Ings to drop back and defend and do their jobs. Are they capable of doing that, do you think? Yeah, we've we've time, um, but it's going to be a, a difficult ask in the first game of the season, I think. I think it just needs time to bed in. Um, whatever that means in terms of results, I don't know, but there's probably a little bit more frustration to come, as annoying as it sounds. I just hope it's not frustration in the manner as it was Saturday, and I hope it doesn't mm. kind of materialise <laughs> in the same way because I think the scoreline at the end of the day really flattered Villa. Um, the first goal was the worst one. 
the second one and the third. The third one, you're not stopping. To mm. an extent, you're not stopping the second one just because of the nature of it. But the first goal just didn't need to happen. If you're talking removing that one, 2-2, two, two, isn't it? And, you know, the, the match goes out a different way. Um, but football isn't like that, is it? But I just thought that first one was especially frustrating because it was just so quickly to be deflated. You know, yeah. like all that optimism to be like, oh, my God. This looks bad. This could be four, five, or six. Thankfully, not four, five, or six. Um, on, only three, I say. But yeah, the score I'm really flattered. Uh, Villa in the end. Well, yeah, it's essentially a three-nil game, isn't it? Like I said I posted when like, uh, Ing scores, and it's good to get the, the strike off the mark, even though it didn't really mean anything. And people in the comments saying, "Well, don't forget goal differences." Yeah, fair enough. I guess a three-two is certainly better than a three-nil. Um, you just mentioned that optimism there on Friday. We're all saying, "Yeah, let's try for Europe," and we've got all these great, great, creative players. And then come five o'clock on Saturday, there's people on Facebook and YouTube in our comments. People are saying I was overreacting. There's people saying Smith out, which I absolutely disagree with. You, I just, you certainly don't sack a manager after game week one. Um, but you go from all that optimism to all that pessimism straight away. And I said it would be like disastrous at full time if we lost to Newcastle next week. And people are saying that's an overreaction, but I just don't want to have a negative crowd on the first week back. It, it almost feels like you're certainly not calling Newcastle a must win, but it's a must not lose at least, isn't it, surely? I think it's more performance-wise. You want to see a reaction from Villa, and even if that's a reaction where somehow they manage to lose, but there is a genuine inkling that there's something special here. Fan, fans will be fine. I just think they can't have... They, it's not. It wouldn't be acceptable for them to have a performance in the manner of Watford. I don't want to put my neck on the line, but I feel like that's, it's very, it seems almost unlikely, you know, that there's not going to be a reaction fan. The, oh, the players yeah. are going to be absolutely buzzing to be in front of this crowd. The, the intensity should naturally raise because the fans will back them, absolutely. But they just cannot, under any circumstances, start the game like they do against Watford. But I, I find that really unlikely due to the nature of it being a home game and due to Dean Smith obviously knowing the importance of this match being the first, first one back. But like you said, it, it could be. But I don't see how it would be like the Tom Fox, Remy Guard kind of nastiness. Yeah, you know, no, it would no, be. I think it would be more of a disappointment than a negative. It would be like, oh my god, here we we're in for something different than we expected. Yeah, rather people, than people be looking at that first three and thinking Watford, Newcastle, Brentford. You know, maybe you go there at Watford first day and win. Then your first home game Newcastle, you beat them, and then Brentford is the the most difficult of the three, especially after they beat Arsenal first day, just because the way they play and their style of football. As you look at that now and you go, lost to Watford, lost to Newcastle, cross Brentford coming out, if you lose three in a row, it, it's panic stations. Hmm. How how far does it have to get for you to be concerned about the season? I know it's only game week one and I, I don't want people to be going, oh, that's it, write the season off. Because I said before that the first game was picked, uh, played, you've got to give it five, ten games to see where you are. Is that where you will wait to see? Because after that first three, the, the fixture list just starts to get a bit more difficult. Yeah, if we play, say... 10, 50. Look, you're not entitled to win every game, of course. I think I say yeah. that a lot. And I said that before. We just lost loads loads of games in the streak last season, which was which was fair, fairly, fairly embarrassing. <laughs> you're not you're not entitled to win every game, but you're certainly entitled to put some level of performance in. We all heard what Dean Smith said after the game and how enraged he looked during the game. So it's pretty clear where he stands on that performance. Mm. If there are 10 games and that performance is more you know, more, more the average than than a good performance. Things could be off the rails quite quickly, but look, Manchester City lost yesterday. Arsenal lost against Brentford. Leeds lost awfully. Um, 
it's just the first game of the season and Villa are 11th and they're above City, <laughs> Leeds, Wolves and Arsenal. Well, yeah, I know that's a minor, minor point, but you know things have to get going for not just Villa, a lot of teams, including the incumbent champions. So, look, we'll see what... We, before we start speaking about how bad it could get, we have to see what happens against Newcastle and if there's a reaction yeah. to, to what occurred. Because I think we were a light touch at the start of the season and our message didn't get through to the players until Dean Smith hooked them in at halftime. So clearly changes did happen and there was a much it was a much more improved performance in the second half. And if we didn't, you know, dare concede a wonder goal, what could have happened? But yeah. we ruined our our own game for us and we, we made it incredibly hard to get back for and there's no excuses for that and there needs to be a reaction against Newcastle. Yeah, I've I've prepared a graphic here. Of, it's the Premier League table after 10 games last season. I don't really know what point I'm making here, but I'm going to flash it up anyway. Uh, Villa were in 10th on 15 points with Man City on 15 points and 11th and then Man City gone. I'm not comparing us to Man City and say we're going to go and win the league, but it shows that even after 10 games, you don't look at the table and think, well, that's set now. This is where everyone's going to finish. I mean, it's pretty much close for a lot of the others. Spurs were top at that point. Um, but like you said, people aren't going to be writing off Man City because they lost yesterday and writing off Leeds because they got battered at Man United. It is the first game and it's how we react to that. And like I've said before, it's pretty much a must-not-lose against Newcastle. But if you play really well in a dodgy VAR call on the 90th minute, Leeds Newcastle to win 1-0, you'd still go, well, we've looked better there than we were against Watford. So that's an improvement. Um, talk about positives for Watford then before we move forward. Bailey coming on. Looked looked pretty sharp. Uh, people are saying, "Why didn't we start with the start with the team that ended the game?" But I think Bailey was maybe fit to play the ninety, and obviously we didn't realise the target was going to get ripped to shreds to play young at left back. Um, before we pick a team for Newcastle, Troy Ray and, and Bailey changed that game, didn't they? And Ramsey, to be fair, yeah. Um, the shape changed the the impetus, probably the desire to correct the, the poor, poor performances. It made up for a lot, and Troy Ray looked cracking. And, you know, we again, like Al Ghazi, and I know Al Ghazi wasn't at his best against Watford. There are players that we write off because of the incomings and Bertrand Trowe could step up. Mm -hmm. In a few games' time when he's off the ball, Al Ghazi, you know, this is the circle of life for Aston Villa wingers. But uh, Leon Bailey looked cracking, absolutely dynamic. And I I can't wait to see, you know, what we get from him going forward because he made an instant impact. Um, Jacob Mm -hmm. Ramsey as well. Um, I, I didn't expect him actually. I know he's the top in terms of the academy jumping up. He's the top of the peck in order. He's the most senior senior one. He's the one who started the games last season. But I did expect my bold call was I thought Chukwemeka may start. Um, yeah. Obviously not. He didn't even see the pitch. I actually thought more likely would be that Philogene Bedace um, mm-hmm. would start after such yeah, a good preseason. Um, didn't get on, of course. But um, Jacob Ramsey was the one who took the ball and ran with it. So. Look, um, it was a middling season last season. He didn't have much chance to really impress. I think he only started six games. You know, not there wasn't a lot of game time to go on at all. But looked good when he came on in really difficult circumstances and a uh, instant impact. You know, I, I know he probably dwindled out towards the end, but they were a lot better with him, Bailey and um, Bertrand Traore on the pitch than they were before. There's a comment from James Saunders who must have put this in 50 times in the last five minutes <laughs> saying Jacob Ramsey for Newcastle. So just to get this out of the way, I think that's Jacob Ramsey in his profile picture as well, is it? No, it's Harry Watkins. And <laughs> James Saunders then, will Jacob Ramsey play against Newcastle, do you think? Will he start? We'll do a full lineup towards the end of this. I didn't want to get to this yet, James Saunders, but you forced my hand by commenting so many times. <laughs> Fair play, James. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jacob Ramsey because he comes from a, comes, comes from Great Bar. Like uh, like me, so, <laughs> so buzz- I'm buzzing when they mention twenty year from Great Bomb. Like I pretend I'm him, um, but yeah, it's uh, 
I think with Villa's midfield Ooh, options, still twenty. Uh, oh, cheers! Thank you for that. <laughs> um, with Villa's midfield options, I feel like Ramsey, McGinn, and Nakamba is the one. And I think until the until there's a proper centre, you know, defensive midfielder, and Douglas Louise comes back, that's or, or when Morgan Sanson returns to fitness, that's the mm. way it's going to be. Um, I think Ash said that they want to make Chuck Wemmicker more of a a box to box midfielder than the number 10 or attacking midfielder that he's, he's shaped up to be. We'll have to see because it looks like that position, that 10, doesn't really suit Villa right now. Yeah, people are asking whether we've kind of almost forgotten about Douglas Luiz or written him off. Um, I know he's, he's he was with Brazil, wasn't he, with the World Cup, uh, for mm. World Cup, the Olympics winning gold and they're in talk to three weeks off, I think. Every player is, is in talk to that. I think you see Richarlison play for Everton. He was with the Olympic squad, wasn't he, as well, I think. I'm sure I heard on much of the day that he'd, he'd returned back early and played. So part of me thinks, oh, come on, Douglas Lewis, come back. <laughs> he's, a, he's a human being that's entitled to a holiday. Uh, when he does come back and he's had a settle in, he's had absolutely no pre-season with our squad, does he come straight back in to a midfield two? Or by the time he gets back, will I know Jack Ramsey or Nakamba stepped up and he's lost his place, essentially? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, but you have to see how it goes. You know, the perfect situation is that there, there's a need for a hero and it's Douglas Louise and he comes back at the right time. But, you know, these things happen. But I feel like Douglas Louise should slot right back in when, when the time comes. I don't know when that time is. It could be a while from now. Um, James said he's back on Monday. I'm not sure. I haven't heard if that's completely, completely correct, but it could be a while even when he returns before he comes back into the squad and whether mm. Sanson comes up before that, whether Jacob Ramsey impresses, whether Nakamba gets a grips, you know, with his role, whether McGinn improves. There's a lot of questions hanging over this midfield, including where Douglas Louise then fits back in. So, again, wait and see. Uh, day one. Um, and there's a lot lot to talk about, isn't there? There's another question about the midfield, about whether we need a new signing as well. And this is one that won't go away until we either sign a new midfielder or the window closes. Um, I saw someone on, on social media yesterday say we've got like seven centre midfielders and none of them are really that brilliant at anything together, which is pretty damning really. You've got McGinn, mm. Louise, Nakamba, Ramsey, Sanson, Harahan still floating around. I don't imagine him getting many minutes. So that's six there off the top of my head. Um, about signing a midfielder, the comments earlier, somebody said we need like a big, uh, like a Pesuma kind of player from, from Brighton. Someone here has just mentioned that a, a kind of Yedinak style of defensive midfielder. And that's what I first thought, that you need this big bruising holding midfielder to sit there. Is that what we need though? Or do we just need someone that can keep hold of the ball and play the ball properly and be accurate and be and someone that we can rely on? Someone that's always going to be a 7 out of 10 and... People mentioned James Ward-Prowse and how much it will cost him. And somebody in the comments just said, you don't spend £50 million on someone who can just take free kicks. I think James Ward-Prowse is someone that is better than just taking free kicks. And that's important that he would bring set pieces. But at least he's reliable and you know what you're going to get from someone like Ward-Prowse and whether he's worth £50 million is, a, is another question. But that's what Villa need, I think. Someone that's just going to keep things ticking and maybe that's Douglas Lewis. Yeah, I think the few names have been thrown around by people who like to kind of speculate and um, research kind of transfer links. Uh, Sander Burge was one, Anguissa another. And I feel like that height, that bite in midfield mm. is something that, you know, Nakamba is, you know, an absolute hustler in centre defensive midfield. But as a presence, I feel like we just need a little bit more because we got off to a really bad start. And the big question mark, of course, hangs over the player we just mentioned, Nakamba. So I do feel like centre defensive midfield 
despite what Nakamba can do in the role and despite what Douglas Louise or even John McGinn can uh, do in the role, I feel like we just need that presence there and an, an additional defensive option. Uh in holding midfield. Yeah, we brought it up on the um on the season preview podcast, and I feel like it's the only way I can see him getting minutes without an injury is either a back three replacing Matty Cash or centre defensive midfield. So I feel like after Cash wasn't great against Watford, but I don't feel like he was at the level where there's an instant question that needs to be asked where mm-hmm. a player like it, like, you know, Ashley Young on the other side can, can replace. But defensive midfield now is where you're having questions and there's a player there who, who can fulfil that role. Maybe we haven't seen him at Premier League level over a number of games to fulfil that role, but he has the attributes to do so. So maybe he gets a play there, but I would prefer Villa to invest permanently there. Hmm. just doesn't in DM just doesn't sit right with me some some reason I, I don't know why. Yeah, and just, uh, Douglas Louise is back today. Um, just had just uh, got the press conference notes off, so yeah, he's back. So, whenever he actually returns to action, is a different story. Well, that's the question I'm going to ask you, and you don't know the answer to this. And it's just speculation. If we are panicking in midfield and thinking that the balance isn't right, if Douglas Louise is fit and ready to go, does he play against Newcastle then? Douglas Louise doesn't play against Newcastle. Um. I can't see how that that would be beneficial for Villa because he has literally not stopped playing football for about two years. <laughs> so, so he like he has just come straight in from international tournaments and joining Villa to lockdown, having a few months of nothingness, playing a season, then jumping in another season, then the summer after of tournament football. I don't think so, mate. Um, I think he can be a brilliant player for Aston Villa, but they're not going to get the best out of him for chucking him to fight fires. I asked Ash uh, in our little post-match chat the other day whether Buendia could play more of a number eight role rather than a ten. I don't think you... I mean, people say like ten doesn't suit him, but if you can play right wing, you can play ten in my books. Like yeah. Grealish played left wing and could play ten. Like it's, it's effectively the same role because he's not he's not an out-and-out winger that will, will hug the touchline and cross balls in. So if you can float around on the right wing, you can float yeah. around at number ten. For me, I don't see why mm-hmm. that would be an issue. If you are trying to squeeze everybody in, can Buendia play an eight in a midfield three? Like McGinn, Louise, Buendia as a three? Or is he too lightweight for that? I don't think he's too lightweight, but Watford had a very... They had a, um, a midfield with presence and that goes, you know, Gerard Kuchka bullying him off the ball and even on the yellow card, probably a bit of um, silliness there by him because it was, you know, doing that stuff on a yellow card very uh very near to dismissal aren't you but Brendia was bullied quite not not easily like they had to get a good go at him but they made him very uncomfortable and I don't see how he probably could but there are players that who could fulfill that role better Morgan Sansom probably good John McGinn definitely could Douglas Louise could you know there's Jacob Ramsey so there's, there's it's almost like that doesn't need to be the question if you get what I mean he mm. can I would rather him focus on where he, he we know he can make an impact eventually. Do you think there's anything in this point from Elliot that says, what do you think of playing two left-footed central midfielders? Look so unbalanced, prefer a right and left-footed combination, McGinn and Ramsey next game for me. So you've got Nakamba, McGinn, both left-footed, Target's left-footed, um, Bailey's left-footed, Troy's left-footed, I think. Incredibly rare, isn't it, for a oh, team mate. to have so many. <laughs> left-footed. Yeah, Courtney um, Hawes. Starting, is it? But it's another left footer. Um, yeah, is that is that a thing? Ballot? Obviously, it is a thing. But is this a factor in why Villa aren't clicking? Just because they've got two left footers in there, or is it just because they're not playing quite the right roles? 
Yeah, definitely for a centre-back partnership, I feel like it's preferable to have either a two-footed centre-back or either side has has a, the correct foot just for balance and, you know, they have to be comfortable using both feet in an emergency. I feel like our centre midfielders are fairly okay with using the wrong foot. You know, um, I think the camera was caught up, but I think that wasn't more him being weak with that foot, but just more so him not having that extra body in midfield and maybe him having a more advanced role than he's used to. Don't know. I think it is a question, but I feel if you're talking about the the the, the footedness of the play, if that's the correct word, I feel like it's more a question I'd use for a centre-back partnership, but thus we had a, two people in midfield. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll, if they play again... Ideally, they improve if they play again in their roles, but um, we'll have to see. There's a comment from Dave O'Rourke. He says, is it fair to suggest that we slightly overperformed last mm. season? I don't think we'll get nine away wins again this year, but we may improve at home. Would we all be happy if we got 55 points again this season? And a lot of, a lot of talk in our pre-season preview was about progress and having to do better than last season. So my instant reaction to that is 55 points again wouldn't be a, a successful season unless you lose the first 10 and you somehow claw it back in the second half of the season to get to 55, in which case I'd say, yeah, that did end up being a half-decent season. But on paper, as it stands going into to game week two, you've got to do more than 55, I think. We'll see. We have to see how the land lies. Um, I think we said in the, I said in the season preview, success for me would be limiting the games feel a lot useless. And we won game in and they've managed to do it you know, already. So, you know, the, the chances are, are that they have to now pick up and limit those performances even further than they already had to to kind of make make a fist of the season and qualify for Europe. I don't think we can talk about it with confidence after that one. Um, mm-hmm. It's one game. I know it is only one game, but that's all we have. We have to see that reaction now. And I'm looking forward to Nuga. So I'm looking forward to that, hopefully, that big result, that positivity of ways. You know, things can get annoyingly and, and you know, niggly and we're picking at things, but only one game in. See how it goes. Yeah, Newcastle looked good yesterday, but ultimately ended up coming away losing to, to West Ham at yep. home 4-2, I think it was in the end. So the mood is very different Saturday night if we've beaten Newcastle 2-0 and, and it was comfortable and Ings has scored both or whatever and it's all very different then. So yeah, I'm not going to get too carried away after one game. but yeah, it's, it's more so, it's not a, a negative start, it's a sloppy start. It's disappointing, like, yeah. you, like you opened the podcast with, it, the, the mood would be so much different today if all going into pre-season, into pre-season it was all positive, let's aim for Europe, let's do this and you win the first game. Yeah, love away from home back to Villa Park now let's get it six out of six what a great yeah. start that would be so it's disappointing that we haven't done that but ultimately nowhere near the end of the world because Man City lost the first game are people that aren't going to go well they're not going to win the league then yeah okay. it's uh again it's more so it's not a, a uh it's, it's it's not like a cause for massive massive cause for concern it's just a a mood killer, an absolute mood killer. It becomes a cause for concern if it continues to happen. So we are yeah. ideally eyeing this next game as that reaction, and we can we, we move on. We take each game as it comes. We don't get too high with the highs, too lows with the lows as the the kind of Villa trophies these days. But yeah, looking forward to that game. You know, first game back at home, so absolutely can't wait for it. Let's talk about Newcastle then. How we stop them? Um, is it just a case of stopping St Maximan and you stop Newcastle, or is that too simplistic? It helps, and I think what helps though is not giving him the ball in the corner flag. Um, I think that the, his highlight real moment came when he made Declan Rice look silly, but that yeah. this moment doesn't come from him tearing through players up the pitch and you know being a real threat like Sar was. Came from a giveaway, 
like right next to their corner flag. So he's got the ball in the most dangerous position instantly. Thus, he has all the energy and ideas right in front of him. He can make Declan Rose silly and, and set up Callum Wilson for a goal. And when he's forced to do it more deeper, Declan Rice gets the better of him and plays a massive part in West Ham scoring a goal. And if you're talking about who won, you're talking about West Ham United. Um, So Mm. he can do all the damage he wants. It's about where do you want him to start doing that damage? You want him to start trying the tricks in his own half or do you want to give him the ball in the most dangerous area possible? So Villa, they have the question there over fullback. Are they going to let that more threatening, more quote-unquote experienced winger do the damage to them? In, in, in more dangerous positions. I, I don't think so. I think they should play that midfield for him, set a man on, on making his life, uh, make his life certainly for the uh, 90 minutes a lot harder than it should be. Talk about a, a small sample size and our first game looked poor at fullback and Newcastle's first game, two goals from from headers inside the six-yard box, both from crosses. So that goes into this game. Thinking, well, we'll stop the cross, you beat Newcastle. <laughs> uh, look, we've played some dodgy games against Newcastle and it seems like this team more than other, almost anything can happen. Um, we yeah. could be on control for 90 minutes. Concede that last minute, got in massive header to when they bring on uh, the big man up front. And uh, yeah, it's always, uh, it always seems to be Newcastle in my eyes. So that kind of causes frustration for me. You could stop St. Maxman and then the threat appears elsewhere. Yeah. So Newcastle are a very, very hard team to judge. Um, Steve Bruce has, it's like Schrodinger's cat. He's done a good job and a bad job at the same time. <laughs> no, nobody knows. <laughs> we talk about stopping St. Maxman, but let's flip it on its head. Let's talk about Newcastle stopping Buendia, stopping Drore, stopping Ings, Watkins, Bailey. If, they, if those guys are fit and raring to go and they've had another week and a bit of a kick up the backside after an opening day defeat, that's difficult for Newcastle to stop as well. Yeah. and On paper. <laughs> you know, if, if we have problems after the first game, Newcastle also have those problems and they have to come to Villa Park with a seeking reaction. Yes, yeah. they're seeking a reaction as well, but I would expect that with Villa's lineup, look less. They have to think, as, as much as we have to think about Sam Maximan. You know, he he had that little highlight reel, but then he gets done for a goal by the same person he's quote unquote humiliated. You know, a uh, half before, so it, it swing it swings and roundabouts for me. Villa have Leon Bailey, Emi Buendia, they got Danny Ings. There's a lot of threat about this team that Newcastle should have to be thinking about rather than us going about about Sam Maximan. How much how much importance do you think will have the the Villa Park crowd? Playing impact first game back forty two thousand. I don't know whether it is sold out, but I assume it, it will be by the time it comes round. And we've said at the start of this, seven out of the ten games this this first game week were, were home wins. You'll see Leeds be at home, Villa be at home. Um, who else playing playing this week? Crystal Palace lost the first game there at home again this week. Brighton, uh, Southampton as well. Would you think it is will be a case that when everyone plays their first home game this season, they might go on to win, or is it is that too simple to say? Well, yeah, it helped Watford. I think that they looked naturally more intense. And look, they did a similar thing to Liverpool, who went on to win the league a, a few seasons ago. And that was, I think that was still with fans, to be fair. But it was before, I think it was just before the lockdown. So fans fans do help. And you, you saw it firsthand on, on Saturday, having those fans just, they don't even have to be chatting. No, I mean, it's just them absolutely buzzing for you in your performance. Yeah. You can feel it. Um, I think we talked about Villa lacking intensity. And I think playing a home game in front of a packed out crowd who wants the best for you and wants that reaction naturally helps that intensity. It, it brings the best out of you. And I think it, it makes you more energetic, makes you more willing to drive forward and try things. So, yeah, I think it'll be, it doesn't dictate whether you win or not, but I think it it almost solves that problem for Villa about that intensity. Like Villa Park doesn't excuse 
people not pulling away. And I don't think it wasn't that people were pulling them away. I think they just needed to step it up a gear. Naturally should occur at uh, Villain Park. It's coming here from Elliot. It says crowd will have a massive impact. Just look at Spurs Man City yesterday. Yeah, absolutely fair. Do Man City go on to win that game if it's an empty crowd and the Spurs crowd will win the do, yeah. Spurs in that second half? So it does make a difference. And if Villa were a leading one 0 with twenty minutes to go, I'd back the Villa Park crowd to be right behind them, and and that will make a serious difference. You hear players all the time how how important the crowd is. So. You know, it can also go the other way if we concede early on. Let's not get on the players' back and put extra pressure on them. Um, Phil Curley says, Brandier did most of his damage through the middle for Norwich last season. So he can play as a 10, but yeah. he usually floats in from wide. And somebody else said that earlier, that he, he wants to come in, come inside from the right-hand side onto his left foot. And if he's already playing at 10, he's already in the position he wants to, to float into and dance into. So if we're picking a team for Saturday's game, if we're in charge, we get the, uh, the manager's call to, to make the team decision this weekend. Who will we play in and what formation? I'll make a note of it and we'll see how close we are. Am I we'll just picking this? No, we'll do it. We'll do it okay, I'll, I'll pick the first one. I'll pick the Emi first Martinez one. in goal, you reckon? <laughs> yeah. right. no, just default, just put him there. Yeah, Jed Steers. Actually going to be Jed Steers, so just deal with a different kind of threat that Newcastle can present. So I'm writing um, the formation down. Am I starting that formation with a four or a three? You're starting it with a four. I can't see us playing a three. Yeah, so that's cash right back. Yeah. Same back four. Are we saying same back four? I think so. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he'll ditch target. I think he he Dean Smith would want to sh- almost give him a chance. Here you go, impress. Do it again. Think, don't yeah. don't let it happen again. Sorry. Don't I don't think, do yeah. it again. I think the only way he doesn't play target is if it was an injury or he's, yeah. he he recognizes that he wasn't he wasn't match fit. I think match of the day said. I think it was match of the day said like if Dean Smith goes up to Matt Target and Target knows he's not hundred percent and says. Are you fit to play today? Target will say yes, whether he's fit or not, because he doesn't want to lose his place to Ashley Young, essentially. Yeah. He loses it at half time, knowing he's been absolutely dreadful against Sar, so he should have just said, No, I'm not fully fit. So if Target's not fit, I think Young plays left back. I don't think we see Young at left wing. If Young starts no. on, on Saturday, he's playing left back in place of Matt Target. But if Target's fit and ready to go, yeah, I don't think Smith drops him, although it was kind of brutal to drop him at half time. Had to be done, though. I it think, had to be done, like, yeah. yeah. A lot of people say, Oh, you should have done it earlier, but. I think yeah, giving instructions, yeah, giving instructions to a fullback who is rattled like out of their mind, like <laughs> just nerves. I don't think they go in like a, like if yeah. you're in, in, in a normal state of mind and not playing a Premier League football match. So the change happened as early as it could, and I think he gets another chance. The only comparison you would make is if he's been rattled by Sar, is he going to be rattled by St Maximan? And if he, you think he is going to be, do you just start young there and say, right, you sit back a little bit further? I don't know because I think. I mean, Young could get rattled by St. Maximan. Yeah, you go like. Yeah, like what I, what I would say about St. Maximan is there is evidence of him doing damage and him being done over in the same game. I felt like Matt Target didn't know how to get back at his mm. male side, and I feel like that pushed him right back like mentally. I feel like Declan Rice let himself slip up, but then he's a big catalyst in, in West Ham winning the game by targeting some maximum himself. It's about growing and making sure that, yeah, they might beat you a few times, but what are you going to do to ensure that you get the final, you know, the last laugh? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that was the problem. Jimmy Cares put his team in the comments, and I'll read through some of the teams in a second if other people want to drop their starting lineups in as well, and we'll, we'll compare them to uh, mine and James's combined 11. Uh, so we've got our back five with Martinez. The next number in my formation, am I putting a two or a three? Or four? <laughs> or five? <laughs> I think it's a three. I think this is where you'll see... We don't often see Villa change things up, but I felt like 
it's a bit of contradiction because I feel like he's going to give Matt Target a chance. I just don't think that chance happens again in midfield where he gives Nakamba McGinn again because at home as well. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I think it's. I think it's a free in the middle, and I think it's Nakamba McGinn and Ramsey and Ramsey. Mm. I need to see it as a whole before I make any judgments on this. I'm writing it down weird. I'm not going to show it on screen because I've made an absolute pig's ear of writing the midfield down. Instead of doing them in a three, I've just done them in a line. That's um, fine. So they're in a three. So is that a four, three, three then? Four, I three, think three? so, yeah. Oh, it's it, Depending on the game, so I think it switches from four, two, three, one. I, I think, think they're, they're effectively the same, aren't it, they? Yeah, don't matter, man. Someone says Sanson will be playing. I don't think he's fit, so I don't think he's an option. Nah. Um, so your forward options are, if Watkins is fit and it was a bruised knee, so I mean, I'm not a medical man, obviously, but I would assume that's not a massive injury and it might have just been a, a precaution to give him one extra mm. game to recover. So if Watkins is fit, for me, Watkins is your number nine. Yeah, so then I don't know whether you buy a four-three-three. So this is where I, I disagree. This is very hard with Ings. Ings makes yeah, this Ings very is, hard. And this is what I said earlier. Are, are we being a bit? I know you just spent thirty million on him, but are we being a bit Steve Bruce by saying we've signed Ings? So you have to play him because if you shoehorn him in for the shoehorning him in for the sake of it, are you making the balance of the squad not right? If you're just going, well, Ings has to play because we've spent this money on him. If you're playing a four-three-three, Watkins or Dan Ings has to play left wing and. We've got better options on the wing, so that's not going to happen, is it? So this is the problem. We do these quick 10-minute podcasts. It's like, <laughs> oh, let's just do some quick, easy questions. When you sit down to do something as simple as pick the lineup, you're suddenly going, we've got options, and options is a good thing. But have we got almost too many options now, That are too many versatile options that almost anyone can play right wing, almost anyone can play up front, that who does what then? It's a tough one because with positionings and transfers and injuries and a lot of other things actually in press conferences Dean Smith kind of says something and he doesn't like act on it it's like Villa are done in a transfer window I, they're, they're not though are they they're not done in the yeah, transfer window because if Anguisa is available on deadline day they you know but it's it's just about they're done for now not yeah. not tomorrow <laughs> they're done today it's like you said Ollie Watkins play centre forward I don't think that's always the case. I think he could be on the wing. And that doesn't mean he's not the, the up-front guy. I think Ings is the up-front guy, but drops deeper. And, and then the two wingers get ahead of him, or two inside forwards get ahead of him. It's just We just need more footage to know what Villa are yeah. going to do with this, I think. Yeah, this but, is the problem with doing these early season podcasts. That we've got... I forget pre-season really because we played four four two in that and we didn't play four four two at any point yesterday. I know Watkins was injured, but um, Jay Drizzy here says if Watkins is fit, then we play four four two. I don't see us playing four four two at any point. We I might find play it for very hard minutes yeah. in the game if we if we're struggling or if we want to compact the midfield or whatever. But I just don't see us starting games with four four two because yeah, again, it comes back to the problem that we're weak in midfield. I think you always need a three in there. And if you always got a midfield three, that front four that we keep talking about, Buendia, Ings. Bailey and Watkins cannot all play. No, I feel oh, it's tough, but I think if we're going for that four-three-three, just to settle the argument, <laughs> I don't think Watkins comes back for Newcastle. I think it's Ings, and I think it's Bailey and Wendia either side of him. Yeah, you think Bailey starts? Yeah, I think they've already the ship has already sailed with Wendia, so he's got. You know, you can't just go. Oh, I'll bench him again. Uh, I'll bench him for this one because I put him in too early for for Norwich. Um, for Watford 
I think he starts, and I think Bailey Bailey is a hundred percent probably first name on the team sheet. Uh, don't know if Watkins is back to wing starts for me. Yeah, that's that's fair. If Watkins is injured, you've got a front three of Wendy Rings Bailey, midfield three of Nakamba Ramsey McGinn, which I do agree with. If you're playing a four three three at the moment, I think if Louise is in there, it's Nakamba McGinn Louise maybe, and you you let Nakamba, you let McGinn run further forward a little bit. I know yeah. again Smith talks about McGinn being your number six this season, but if it's a midfield three, McGinn's close to your ten than your six. Yeah, that five picks itself unless targets injured and. and Ashley Young plays left back. If Watkins is fit, I'm tempted to say you drop Ings, but then you just spent that money on him and he scored. I know it was only a penalty, but he scored last week. So I don't know. I think if Ings is fit, if Ings and Watkins are fit, it's a 4 2 3 1 for me. And Ings plays at number 10. Yeah, but this number 10 role caused. It's not I 10, didn't it's cause. Striker effectively, but yeah, it has to cause... back. It didn't cause Villa problems, but it just asked so much of Nakamba and McGinn. Like, yeah. and McGinn seemed like he could get up and, and Nakamba eventually, but I just think until they settle, they're all they're gonna need that extra body deeper. Uh, let's try and read through a couple of these team news. Then people are saying like Jadri has just put agreed, and we've made so many points. And there's so many comments. I don't know who he's agreeing Spot to. On. <laughs> so yeah, oh, thanks perfect. for that. Um, where have we got one? Where have we got a full eleven anywhere? Saw one. Where was that? Got Daniel oh, Luzak. He now. says uh, Martinez, Cash, Conza, Mings, uh, Young, McGinn, Nikan, Betrayal, Brendia, Bailey, Ings. So I think is that twelve players. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh no, it's eleven. It looks like more. So um, it's, it's it's fairly similar to yeah. with, with a few just personnel changes. Um, Troy Rose in there for them instead of Brendia, I think. Yeah, I think I could see the argument for, but I think. Again, the ship has sailed with Brendier. You trust him. He's going to be the guy. He's going to come good. Um, he had a tough game against Watford. They picked on him. They bullied him. They got the better of him. He knows the score um, and he'll improve. I suppose the difference is this season, and, and to wrap up before we hit the hour mark, whatever that, that starting eleven is now, the, the, the options off the bench are stronger than what they were last year. If you're talking about Ings potentially dropping out for Watkins coming back in. You've got Danny Ings to come off the bench. So that's a, a, a great shout to have off the bench. You've got Troy potentially to come off the bench. If Buendia is on the bench, you've got him to come off at, at 75 minutes to make a difference. Um, you've got your midfield options to do stuff as well. So there's better options there for Villa now. You just don't want to be in yeah. a position at, at 70 minutes when you're thinking we're 1 0 down to Newcastle at home. Let's bring Danny Ings on to do something or let's bring Watkins on who's not fully fit because we're desperate. You just want to start that game and start well, set the tone right and go go ahead against Newcastle and play our game and let other people be worried about us rather than us worrying about everybody else. I know obviously the coaching staff need to do more than, than us as fans to, to to mitigate whatever the opposition comes with. I don't want to have to be going into games thinking, oh, what are Newcastle going to do? What are Brentford going to do? Yeah. I want to go, what are Villa going to do about these teams? That's, that's what I think is key for Villa because that's the way they want to play. They don't want to think, oh, you know, what, what what's the strong bit about Brentford we need to worry about and that's all due respect to Brentford I want to think on the, on Brentford's best day how do we still beat them with our with our team regarding you know if Ismail Asad did whatever he wanted with Matt Target they, they were simply almost looked like there was, there was no stopping him yeah. you know you could have done anything Dean Smith could have said anything or made any change and he would have done the same thing I think he was just on another level you've got to think how are you going to beat a team if they're going to play. If they're going to have a player who's going to turn up and put in an 11 out of 10 performance, the best one of their best games, 
and destroy you. How what are you gonna do with your team? How are you gonna be a danger instead of second guess, guessing everything you've put before? You know, how are you gonna make your plan A the best plan that almost impregnable? How are you gonna do that? Yeah. Um the comment from Jimmy Kerr who started that lineup selection debate by putting his lineup in and then I forgot to go back and find it. He says I think it's a bad move putting Watkins out wide, the way he drags the back four out of position running them. He's a big strong lad as well, good in the air. I think you lose yeah. a lot putting him on the left wing, which again is the problem of trying to shoehorn everyone into position. Mm-hmm. I think the only way Ings and Watkins play together is if they both play up front in a four four two or Ings drops back as a number ten. Yeah. And I don't... midfield is good enough to play a four two three one is always the issue. Yeah, I don't see how the the reason I say Watkins on the wing not to shove him out there, and I don't think I think he should be the centre forward. It's just I don't see how Ings can play on the left wing, and I feel like there there's better options as a ten. Mm. I feel like if Ings is your goal scorer, there's 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 like one one place he can play, which is the same position as Ollie Watkins, which means four four two could be the only option. It's it's a rough one. Like it, it's a it's a good problem to have, you know. But it's a I don't want to do this on football. I don't want to think about the new edition of Football Manager right now because it's giving me nightmares. <laughs> Phil Cole, I can just imagine it. Danny Ings coming to me. You're not you're not playing me in my right position. Is that is that it? He's done. Phil says Bailey and Brendier are better wingers than Watkins, which is the point, isn't it? You've you've yeah. signed you've signed wingers. So why are we putting Watkins or Ings left wing? This is the point. Yeah. You're trying to fit everyone into this side, and you're making sacrifices that you probably don't need to make. Set up in formation, 4-3-3, and someone's got to drop out. I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm done. All right, fair enough. No um, more line-up. No more line-up talk. Just because this is totally pointless as well, then. Prediction for Saturday? No, nah, line-ups are good. It's just actively hurting my brain. My little brain is really <laughs> yeah. You can see the cogs whirring. Look how well I've written this down with my midfield three as a line. <laughs> and I've got Watkins Bannings <laughs> just because. So I've got trade with them like that. Um, yeah. Prediction. Instead of, writing, instead of writing four three two one, I've just put four three. I couldn't be bothered to write the rest of it down. Prediction two 0 Villa. And any questions are put to bed, and we do the same every other game, and we never look at that poor again. I'm going to go two one. I think we'll concede. I don't think we're going to keep as many clean sheets as we did last year. I don't know why. I just think at the moment it looks like we're not going to be as solid. And that'll probably change, and maybe in five game times. No, I said, what was that? What was I thinking about? Change my prediction. I want them to score twice first and I want us to score seven. <laughs> oh, I want them to be really happy and us to be really sad and then we we actually leave at half time everyone's like oh this is not good then you know I don't, no, no, I don't want to be 2-0 down uh, forget <laughs> that I don't want to be 2-0 down Mark Simpson says 2-0 to Newcastle on Saturday Mark Simpson no. if you're a Newcastle fan Mark, sorry enough. mate if you're like, you like, get um, out um, just before we wrap up if anyone wants to drop their score predictions then I'll flash up a few on screen um, we've got a shirt competition we'll give that a plug for those that are still watching there's 300 people watching live but there'll be plenty more watching this after the fact uh, last podcast that me and Ash did and I call it a podcast but it was, it was 12 minutes of me and Ash just waffling about the game as he was waiting for his train that got 12,000 views on YouTube one of our most viewed episodes of recent weeks as people are, are buzzing about the new season um, our YouTube subscribers are flying up at the moment which is lovely as well so thanks everyone for their support as a thank you for that, we're giving away a home or away shirt, this, the new season shirt. The away one is back in the background here of mine, and you've got the, the away the home shirt at your end, James. I said, have you got it so you can show it on camera? And you're like, oh, it's in the wash. Actually, um, so, is, yeah. 
hopefully, hopefully it holds up in the washing machine doesn't come out as a, as a bag of bits um <laughs> so yeah we're giving away a home or away shirt of your choosing all you need to do is subscribe to the Carlton blue youtube channel if you're watching this on youtube now live you can just scroll down and there's a subscribe button down here somewhere um if you're watching this after the fact then on spotify or wherever go over to the youtube channel search at Carlton blue podcast uh, and you'll find us subscribe and you've got a chance there's eight thousand subscribers now which were it's massive it's growing very quickly so you're, you've got a one in eight thousand chance essentially um and if you leave a comment on our most recent video which is obviously this one as it stands you've got a better chance of being picked on the the algorithms and stuff so i'm told <coughs> excuse me <coughs> so a few score predictions and we'll wrap up phil curry says three nil all goals in the first half love that 4-0, 5-0, oh, I love these, 3-1, 1-0, 2-0, 3-1, coming back from 1-0 down, says Richard, Tony Benton, 3-2 to Villa, uh, Jay Stevens 3-1, David Ward, 1-0, 3-1, and Sienna says, announce Matt Kendrick, I think he's still on, I don't know where he is, um, he'll be back on the podcast at some point, it won't just be you and me every week, James, but, but as I said at the start of these, as we hit the hour mark, we'll do a quick 10-15 minute chat after every game on a match day. Um, we'll work things out if games on TV and different kickoffs times, but we'll always do something on a match day. And then as it stands, we'll always do an hour on a Monday to reflect on the game when we've had a bit more time to think about it and look ahead to next week's game as well. So thanks everyone for your score predictions. Thanks for all your comments throughout this live broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. James, thank you very much for your time as ever. Thank you. Up the villa. And we'll be back on Saturday night for a quick reaction to the Newcastle game and then back this time next week to reflect on it properly in more depth. Um, we might do something before the Newcastle game. We'll see. I think I've got a feature planned about the whole thing, which is coming out this week. Um, so stay tuned to the Can't Blue podcast, subscribe, and you're in with the chance to win a shirt and keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.